0: I went from being broke and being on public assistance and having to rely on the government for food stamps and wig to now being a millionaire.
1: From Money Fit by DRS, it's the Money Fit Show, your weekly podcast about real difficult money stories, overcoming financial obstacles and tips for building healthy money habits. catch that sound bite? this is todd christensen host of the money fit show podcast and yes today i'm speaking with a guest who went from government assistance to millionaire status about her attitude and approach to life did we mention she also had a stroke in the teacher's lounge what an incredible cinderella story this unknown comes out of nowhere it's in the hall Stephanie Harris is a mother of three, two girls, one boy, and one fur baby. She's a wife and a profound businesswoman. She started Custom Creations Wholesale, KKW, because she was getting married and was having issues with people making the customized items she wanted. So she decided to learn how to create them herself. Once she figured out how to make those items, Tiffany learned about sublimation and fell in love. She calls herself the sublimation diva. Tiffany grew up in a neighborhood in Philadelphia and has overcome some extreme odds to become a huge success in her field. She teaches other entrepreneurs how to start their own businesses, how to navigate credit for business, and how to be unstoppable in the pursuit of creating a career. Tiffany Harris, our sublimation diva, welcome to The Money Fit Show. Why, thank you. Thanks for
0: having
1: me. Yeah, it's great to have you here today. I'm looking forward to this conversation and uh, wanted to get started kind of um, the way I do with every guest, a little get to know you, but uh, this is a little different. I I had to look it up for the benefit of our listeners, uh, what sublimation is. Would you mind just sharing uh, basically what that means? Sure.
0: So, sublimation is a permanent dye process that is used to make um, decorated apparel. So, T-shirts, hats, hoodies, different things like that.
1: Yeah. So, that's different than the uh, the heat. What was it? The heat, uh, the one that just uses heat to kind of...
0: Uh, processes Pro- to making decorated apparel. So, we're going to just stick to decorated apparel for T-shirts. So Yeah. There yeah, it's,
1: a, it's much more permanent uh, thing.
0: Yeah. So sublimation is the only process that they have that's permanent.
1: Yeah. Uh, think otherwise, I, I think of um, the, the T-shirts I I grew up wearing in the in the seventies and eighties that would start to peel after about three yeah. washings. that's, yes. that's that, what we're that's what we you solve. That's a problem you you're solving. Yeah, that, that's correct. Awesome. Okay, now you. Uh, you note in uh, some bios that I've read that uh, you grew up in a, in a rough area or a, a, a struggling area in Philadelphia. Did you have entrepreneurial role models around you as you were growing up?
0: No, actually, um, every person in my immediate family worked. They, they had a job. They mm-hmm. went to work. They they had a career something along those lines mm-hmm. um I actually came up in my life working I worked ever since I was 14 years old mm-hmm. and I worked all the way up until I had a stroke mm-hmm. and I was a teacher I was a school teacher and I had a stroke in the teacher's lounge oh, and wow. I, did, I haven't worked for anyone else since then and mm-hmm. it was six years ago almost
1: yeah well, Okay, there's, there's a lot in there that I'd like to talk about, but let's, let's start at 14. Um, you remember your first job? I do.
0: I worked as a data um, entry specialist at Temple University at Vivacqua Hall.
1: <laughs> I bet you'd almost remember the name of the supervisor, those kind of details. Well, okay, so then you had paid attention in keyboarding class, it sounds like.
0: Yes. Yeah, so I was uh, in high school, I was student government president. Uh-huh. So my um, the teacher that was over our uh, student government association was the business teacher, the typing teacher. Yeah. So if I wanted to go on her class and do whatever I had to type <laughs> and, and I had to teach, I had to show her that I can type with all 10 of my fingers without looking at the keyboard before nice. she would do what i wanted to actually do
1: <laughs> well that worked worked and, out that direction
0: <laughs> so I, in high school,
1: I took up commercial arts oh did you i did now how did that uh, how did that transition into uh into teaching
0: it didn't <laughs> <laughs> So I was very sick when I was a kid. Um, so I missed a lot of school. And yeah. when they, when we, I went to a vocational high school. So we had different trades. So when they got to the point where they were picking their trades, I was in the hospital. So I didn't get the chance to pick my trade. So I got stuck in whatever they had available. And that just so happened to be commercial arts. I cannot draw. <laughs> I don't like to draw. But I was there. I just made sure that I passed the class so that I could graduate out of <laughs> high yeah. school. Yeah.
1: Okay. So I, I come from a background with uh, humanities, and um, people always ask, well, do you ever use it? Um, but, you know, and I can say not directly, but did, were there things from commercial, your commercial arts or your, that, that you still use today? So any, any skills or any uh, ideas or principles? Nope. No. Any experience that you're like, okay, at least I know I can get through it.
0: So every experience, I know I can get through it. Yeah, and That's mainly based off of my faith. But I know that if something is put in front of me, I'm going to figure out how to handle whatever the issue or obstacle is that I come across. I, I will keep working on it until I figure it out.
1: Where does that, uh, Tiffany, where's that sort of uh, confidence come from? What do you, I, do you inherit it, or do you, or or get it uh, growing up, or both.
0: So I feel like it's a little bit of both. I feel like um, a lot of it comes from me not wanting to feel like a failure or a quitter. Mm-hmm. So I continue to keep pushing until I figure it out or until I can fix the issue without figuring out. Mm-hmm. The issue was. So I'll give you an example. Yeah. When I first opened up my warehouse, my storefront, I purchased um, an industrial size printer. Mm-hmm. This printer would allow me to do a lot of things that would catapult my business. And the fact that I was able to purchase it like as soon as I g- got here, it was so awesome because it was like, great, I'll have this and I'll be able to do that. Well, the printer has been sitting in my warehouse for two years and it has never printed anything. <laughs> Why? Because we can't figure out how to get it to work. <laughs> and therefore, I have tried and tried and tried. And I've spent so much money trying to get this printer up and running that just recently I just decided, you know what? The amount of time that you spend in putting in to getting this printer to run, you could just buy a new one. <laughs> so I bought a new one. Now, most people might say, well, now you've been wasted thousands of dollars on that printer. I did, but I would have continued dumping thousands and thousands of dollars into the printer that wasn't printing when I could just take that money that I've been putting into it, buy a new one, and then I can get my return on my investment that way.
1: There's a difference between persistence and um, stubbornness. Correct. And it sounds like you, you know that difference, obviously. Okay. So, you, you, uh, you graduated from high school. And uh, uh get your degree for so for teaching, right? How long did you do that? No. mm No
0: teaching the last degree. So uh-huh. I have five college degrees. My five. first. Yeah. And I don't use any of them. That's what makes it so bad. But <laughs> they're all bust <laughs> on my wall. I always joke that Sally May should just come back and get them and then we can swap. Uh, they give me <laughs> They take away my student loan debt, and they can have the degrees back because I'm not using either. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So my first college degree is in um, hotel, restaurant, institutional management from Penn okay. State University. You couldn't tell me when I graduated that I wasn't. yay, Right. We are. Uh, so you couldn't tell me when I was graduating out of high school that I was not going to own my own hotel, restaurant combo situation. I was going to be. I I was going to be famous and like the Marriott. Like that was my dream. And I took all of the steps. I went and became a licensed bartender. I became a a licensed chef, a certified Mm -hmm. chef. I I had all these plans. And then I got my intern and externship and it was horrible. Hated it. Made me realize that I probably don't want to do this for the rest of my life. I should probably go do something else. Yeah. And then I did. Yeah. And then I got a degree doing that. So then I went to nursing school and then I got a degree being a nurse. And then I couldn't deal with the goriness of wound care. Uh-huh. So I went back and I got a master's degree in business administration because I'm like, all right, I already got all these other degrees and they're basically based on a business. some yeah. type of. Thing. So if I just get an MBA, that'll cover me on all fronts. At least that's what I thought. But then it comes the time where you have, you know, the um, the 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 saying of the college degree. You you go and get it, but then you never work in that field. Uh-huh. So you graduate with a degree, but then you never work in that field. Most of the most of the people in the world go through that. So I went through that. I just went through it five times, yeah. and then my fourth degree, I got a master's in human resources because in my mind. They told me I needed more experience. So I said, "Okay, I guess I got the wrong degree. Let me go back to school and get some more experience. But no, they meant hands-on experience. And I'm saying, how can I get hands-on experience if you never give me an opportunity to get a job and work hands-on? So then I realized, okay, I need to teach people do not not make the mistakes that I've made. So let me go back to college and become a teacher so then I can be a professor at college and teach the people not to make the same mistakes that I made. All right. And I did that. I became a teacher. I loved it. I loved it. I, um, In the state of Virginia, where I live, you have to have um, at least three to five years of K to 12 teaching before you can become a professor.
1: Uh-huh.
0: So I went and I did my three to five year bid. And then on the fifth year, I had a stroke in the teacher's lounge.
1: Wow. Yeah. Uh, that. Uh, OK, so you are dealing with at that point multiple challenges health obviously being the biggest concern but health challenges in this country also can mean financial challenges on top of sally may as you say you know he probably had some some student loan debts at that point Mm -hmm, (laughs) How, how are you feeling when when i mean how first of all glad you're here glad you are recovered um How long was that recovery uh, to back to your getting back to where you're ready to work and figure out what you want to do next? So
0: I actually never stopped working. So I had, um, even though I was a teacher, I had a tutoring company on the side. Mm -hmm. What people don't know is teachers don't make any money. Let me start. So therefore, every teacher I know all over the entire globe. Yep. have a part-time something yeah most of the teachers that i know make shirts (laughs) they're couponers they they drive DoorDash. all different types of things so i had a tutoring business on the side Mm -hmm. and i couldn't type with my left hand because it was contracted so i was typing with one hand because i needed to be able to make the money that i needed to make because the the school they wanted to fight with me over um short-term disability so while yeah. i'm back and forth over the disability i don't have any income coming in right i can take care of my children so i decided i'm going to use my one good hand i'm going to do what i need to do and get it done so i actually never stopped working but hmm. the business that i'm in now even though it's stressful it allows me to be able to no longer neglect my family because yeah. that would wind up happening. I mean, the first few years of my business, I had to neglect my family, of course, because I needed to get up and running and get it together. And now where I am, I don't need to neglect my my family. I can go home at a reasonable time. I can take my kids out to dinner if that's what I choose to do. We can go to Chuck E. Cheese or whatever they want to do because I have that time. We can can just sit down at at home and watch a movie and eat popcorn. So that (laughs) for me was beneficial and I wasn't I wasn't able to get that in the beginning because I was a teacher I worked a regular nine-hour day yep. and then I would come home and then I would do my side job because that's how I was able to t- to take care of my family
1: and you had two kids at the time
0: at at that time I had one child yeah I wasn't married yet it was just me and my and my daughter and it was it was difficult mm-hmm. <laughs> it was very difficult
1: what uh do you remember do you remember thinking anything about uh, around that time or going through that that wouldn't it be nice if I could have money just to do something simple? I mean what were some of the simple things that you wish you weren't even in a position that you weren't in a position to do that you were you were you knew you wanted to get there
0: so I've always been self-sufficient. So I've Mm -hmm. always made money. So it was never really a time that I can remember in my adult life. Now we go back to my childhood and yeah, I can give you a whole (laughs) bunch of stories. But in my adult life, when I started to control what I made and how, how much I spent and what I spent it on, I can't remember a time where I've actually struggled to a point where I wished or hoped for something. What would happen is I would be like, man, I want to take my child to Disney World, but I can't afford that. Okay, let me go and figure out how I'm going to get that done. And then I would just zone in and do what I need to do to be able to get what I needed to get. And now it's it's funny because it's different now. I like My oldest daughter has been to Disney World 10 times, I believe. <laughs> and the first time...
1: She got well, the parks memorized, right?
0: Right. Well, when you think about the first time versus the last time we went, it's totally different. So the first time we stayed in like this, like two star hotel. Yep. It had a shuttle bus, and it took us to the parks. Now, granted, she's three, two or three, so she's excited. She yeah, she
1: didn't care at that point.
0: Going through and what what we're dealing with in like this hole in the wall type situation, but she's getting to go and see the people she wants to see. So she's having a grand old time. Like they have the bippity boppity boutique or whatever. And (laughs) the stuff is really expensive there. I went down the street to target, bought her the same outfit, probably not the same, but one that was literally looking the same for her. She wouldn't notice a difference. Exactly. It was 20 bucks versus me spending 150 for the same little dress that she's only going to wear while she's walking around this park. (laughs) Yes. So yeah. now, when you get to the end, or, or you know, closer to these days, when I'm now a millionaire, uh, yeah, I can afford to stay on Disney's property and you know do the different things. And now my younger daughter and my stepson is getting that type of yeah. We're seeing that now, whereas though my oldest daughter, she's getting to see it too because she was so young that she don't remember that back yeah. then. Yeah, I remember.
1: Uh, okay, a little off topic. Favorite uh, favorite uh, hotel in, uh, at Disney World?
0: Oh, well, of course, the Grand Floridian. Oh,
1: man. Yeah. I think that was the first place I ever stayed for a conference. I just got lucky. Oh, wow. That's
0: a be- beautiful there. spot. I worked there. What was that? I've never stayed at the Grand Floridian, but I've worked there.
1: Oh, you worked there?
0: I used to work there, yes.
1: Yeah, we uh, had a, con- a conference, credit counseling conference there back in two thousand. i think it was or 2005 Uh, they put us in one of the outbuildings pretty much but uh, it was holidays and they had this huge full-size um christmas tree was that you said christmas tree well no the christmas tree and the um gingerbread house oh yeah. walk-in gingerbread house Mm. that was amazing wow all right, don't get me started on Disney. We're a Disney family too, and so but that's awesome. Uh, it it's a it's a different approach. I mean, a different way of uh, approaching how you're taking care of your family. And one of them is surviving, but you still said, "I'm going to do this," and you yeah. found a way. How? I mean, what, for for listeners who might be in a situation, our listeners um, might be dealing with a lot of debt, and they just don't see a way of getting out of debt in the next five or ten or twenty years or so, what were some of the things that you turned to? What did you do to say, I'm going to, I'm going to make it happen.
0: Hmm. So when I was 17, my mom didn't have any, any clue about credit. So Mm -hmm. my mom told me when I was, when I got accepted to Penn state, okay, now you need to figure out how you're going to pay for all of these things that you need for college, like a computer and this and that and whatever. So Mm -hmm. she's like, you need to get a credit card. And everything, so I signed up for all these credit cards. I get, I get approved for everything, of course, because I have no credit and I'm, a, I'm, I'm, a college student. So mm-hmm. they give me everything. The one thing my mom left off was that you need to pay them people back. <laughs> so yeah. I never paid anybody back. I just thought it was free money, like how they gave me student loans. I just thought it was free money. So yeah. I, my credit was messed up from age seventeen. Yeah. So when I, I didn't start really paying attention to credit until I was thirty. Mm. So my entire 20s, my credit was trash. <laughs> but yeah. I, when I turned 30 and I started to, to realize, wait a minute, I, I can't get anything. Why, why, why is this so hard? Yeah. And then I started to do research and learn about credit and credit worthiness. Once I learned that, I was like, okay, let me start just tackling, paying down what I can. Yeah. So I started with what was most present, which would have been the newer items, not the older. Because I, yes. I in my research, I found that the older ones would just drop off eventually. So yes, I with the newer ones, and I started with the ones that people are going to uh, look at me bad for. That's the way I looked at it. So like evictions, stuff like that. But I never had any evictions except for the one when I was in college. Mm-hmm. So it's like okay. Are they going to take that off? But then I, after doing some research, I found out that it wasn't even on there. So I was grateful for that. But I had a, a car that I voluntarily repoed and I didn't know that a volunteer repo was the same as them just coming to get it on their own. So that was an issue and a learning experience. So I just basically went through and just tapped at each one until I got it. Either I settled and or I got it paid off. And then once I got my credit to where I felt like it was credit worthy. I just never let up. I stayed on it, so now I have great credit. Yeah, <laughs> on my business and on my personal, I, I just know better now.
1: Yeah, it, it didn't happen overnight. Clearly,
0: uh, no. I am now thirty eight. I'll be thirty nine in two weeks. So right. credit just got to where I needed it. Maybe twenty
1: twenty. Yeah, a lot so of people it, think. Uh, a lot of a lot of people so- think. Oh, <laughs> if I just paid off all my debt, all my my credit would be better. But no. you know from your research that it's it's does it's not that quick.
0: No, so you can pay it all off. Like that's why I was explaining this to my husband, because he thinks he's just gonna pay it all off and then boom, his credit score is gonna go up. And I'm like, no, <laughs> because you can pay it all off. That shows them that you realize that you did something wrong, but you don't have anything to show these people that you can do it right <sighs> or you can do your lesson. So now you have to go and find somebody that's willing to, to allow you to or trust you enough to be able to do that. And then once you do it, you have to show them that you're trustworthy. So I'll give you this credit card, but I'm only going to give you a $200 limit. You can't be going over to 200 and you can't um, continue to uh, not pay the bill or use the whole 200 and then pay $10 on it or whatever. Like they don't want you to do that. So I'm trying to teach him that because that's the misconception that I think most of us learn. And yeah. if schools would just teach financial literacy, we wouldn't have these issues. Because a lot of our parents, especially from my era, they didn't know that they were um, ignorant to credit and credit worthiness. So how can they teach me?
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I'm I, I was in that same boat. My my parents are actually really good with with their finances, but. Uh, they didn't realize it when I was coming of age, heading off to college, that that was at the time when call, uh, credit card companies were starting to give away hats and T-shirts and Frisbees and things to anybody walking uh, across campus with a pulse if they'd sign up for a credit card. And so they didn't they didn't know that they had to warn me about it. And yeah, <laughs> I, I got in my first credit card hard and fast. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's uh, it's. Uh, Financial literacy in high schools uh, and well, even middle schools or, or below, it's uh, it's been a topic of for us financial educators for for a long time. We're all for it. Uh, so, what what would you say? You know, you're you're dealing with um, short term. You got that worked out eventually, but you're really starting to working on your own business. You realize you want to start your own business or get your own business up and running finances weren't, uh, flowing, uh, free and easy yet. Um, what were some of the tools or resources that you were turning to, to, um, to figure out how to be the best, um, business owner and how to be the best money manager, your own personal money management uh, (laughs) that you could be.
0: Okay. So I'll start with with, when I started my business, it was mainly just because I was getting married and I couldn't find anybody to make the items that I wanted customized for the price or the price range that I wanted. So I decided they, these
1: wedding related items.
0: Yes. So I just made, like invitations for my wedding and yeah. I was included, like twelve hundred dollars for one hundred and fifty invitations. And I was mm. dollars. I could probably make them myself. So that's what I did. But unbeknownst to me, when I did that, the machine that I bought to make the invitations, it also could make Uh T-shirts. So I found that out along the way. So then I decided I'm going to make T-shirts for my bridal party and I'm going to do this and that. And then that's where the business started from, because once I was posting on my social media platforms, like, oh, my gosh, look, I did this and I'm all excited and other people are like, "Oh, can can you make this for me? Can you do this for me?" And I'm like, "Sure, I guess, you know." And I'm playing around with it, and I realize, "Oh, wait a minute, this is about to be a business because these people keep reaching out to me and asking me." And in my mind, I'm thinking, mm, "It's only twenty or twenty-five dollars or whatever. It's not a lot." But I I am a person that thinks about everything, and then I dive headfirst into it. Once yeah. I think about it. I, I think about all the pros and the cons and the, the positives and the negatives. And then, boom, I just go right for it. I just leap right into it and we'll see what happens. So I started the business in my living room and I decided I don't want to focus on bidding or outbidding with other people in my in my city for the mm-hmm. same stuff. So I don't want to argue and fight over a $20 shirt with this person that lives down the block from me so instead I need to come up with a way where that doesn't have to happen so I became their supplier so Uh, I just I'm going to buy all of the materials that's needed for you to do what you need to do to make the shirt and then I'm going to sell it to you I'm local I ship so we should be good to go yeah yeah, so after so that after really that well, was then. all said and done, I basically just decided I'm just going to become their supplier and it just blew up. Everybody was purchasing from me and then I decided I'm going to f- get into sublimation. Once I got into sublimation, it was too many steps. The process to make one shirt was just way too many steps. I was like, oh, this is just too much. I got to figure out an easier way. Mm-hmm. So I, 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 I started, i I. Um, manufactured a product well a product line that once you use all these products together you can eliminate all of those steps so it was before I started my process my products it was seven steps just to make one shirt now with my products is only one step you print Mm -hmm. you press it takes 60 seconds and every shirt is going to be 60 seconds it doesn't matter what kind of shirt what kind of design none of that matters 60 seconds right So that's what made me go like global. Now I'm shipping to Asia, Korea, I'm shipping to Mexico and Canada, all over the United States. And it just like, oh, wow. Okay, so what I learned from that is if someone invents a will and their will is shaky, if you manage to figure out a way to make their will Go straight. You you're gonna be, you're gonna be very rich and wealthy, because you created, you fixed, a a problem that most people didn't even know was an issue. But it was an issue for me, because I didn't want to take all those steps. I didn't want to have to do that. If I'm making two hundred shirts and I got to do seven steps for each shirt, it's gonna take me forever to make these two hundred shirts, by myself. But if I have two hundred shirts and I only need sixty seconds. That's two hundred minutes.
1: Yeah, I think that's. I, I love yeah. what you said. That uh, a lot of people don't even realize it's an, an issue. Most people were just paying what they paid, and they assumed that they were always going to have to pay that, mm-hmm. and didn't care about how long it took. But on the on the on the supplier side, you saw that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, what are you doing? You know, I read. It, Mentioned it. That what are you doing nowadays uh, to help other? You say you note that you're helping other business, other entrepreneurs start a business or navigate. What is it that you're um, doing for others at that po- at this point?
0: So I just recently wrote a book, and the book entails my entire life from birth up until literally just last month, April. <laughs> <laughs> It is it basically discussed I wrote the book because I have thousands of followers and I watch what they say, what they write, how they post, just different things like that. And I was seeing a lot of sad people, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I, I just want, you know, uh, suicidal thoughts, people in depressive stages and phases. They trying to sell off all their equipment. They want to just quit. It's not working. Mm-hmm. I'm scared. this person died, that person died. And it was just a lot of just turmoil. So I wrote my book because I wanted people to see all y'all see now is the golden side of me, right? Right. But I want y'all to see where I've been at, where I came from, how I watched my mom die from stomach cancer, how Mm -hmm. my father was murdered when I was 14, how I didn't even know that I had six sisters on my dad's side and I met each and every last one of them. Well, I had seven sisters on my dad's side, but I met six of them at his funeral. Never mm. even knew they existed. These type of things, what would, you wouldn't know that about me because I don't share it all the time. Yeah. You wouldn't know that my oldest daughter' biological father tried to kill her when she was two. The, these are things that I put in my book to let people help people to understand that you can rise above all of those trials and tribulations. You don't have to stay in that down space and that and that you know, place where you're depressed, where you're suicidal, Mm because I've been there, but you don't have to stay there. You can raise up out of that. I went from being broke and being on public assistance and, you know, having to rely on the government for food stamps and WIC and different things like that to now being a millionaire. It didn't come easy. I can promise you that, but it's not unattainable. It's not impossible. So that's why I wrote my book. And mm-hmm. and I also teach people. I'm actually building an academy so that I can teach business credit because I feel like a lot of people these days have built businesses, but they have no clue about the wealth and the greatness of business credit.
1: They're still using their personal credit in their, in their business,
0: their personal credit and their personal money. See, I've been through that. I used when I started my product line. I, I withdrew from my 401. I took everything out of it. I took all of my, I de- depleted all the money in my my bank accounts, my check and my savings, like everything. Not knowing that this was even going to work or not. I had faith and I just jumped out there and I leaped out there and I did it. I'm grateful that I did it, but not many people are going to do that. So that's why I want to teach you. Not many people have that kind of money sitting around to be able to do that. Yeah. So that's why I want to teach you how to leverage other companies and businesses money. Because yeah, sure. the bank ain't going to give you everything. No. To this day, I, I'm a millionaire. I, I own my own business 100%. To this day, I cannot get not one bank to give me a loan. But see, my credit card companies, let me call Amex right now. They'll give me $150,000 and won't even blink. Let yeah. me call Wells Fargo, who I've been doing business with <laughs> forever. They won't give me a
1: dollar. Huh
0: it's funny, but I mean, it, it's it,
1: true
0: it, though. Yeah, so I want to be able to teach people that just because Wells Fargo or any bank, Chase whoever, they said no, don't mean that someone else won't say yes. Don't give up.
1: Yeah. Keep L- Let me ask you Tiffany, uh, have you got a title for your book yet?
0: Yes. Yes, the book is actually out and released. It's on the um, ebook is on Amazon right now. It's called The Makings of Me: My Journey to Seven Figures from My Living Room.
1: Nice. Look forward to that. Uh, Tiffany, what, do you have one um, favorite piece of advice, personal finance, career-wise, that you'd like to leave with our, our listeners?
0: Sure. So the thing that I go by, that I've been going by for the majority of my life, is if at first you don't succeed, dust yourself off and try again. That goes for, with me through everything. If I try to apply for a grant, a loan, whatever, and I get denied, okay, I didn't succeed this time. Let me go try again with somebody else. Mm -hmm. That was for me in business. I I purchased this piece of equipment. It doesn't work, okay. (sighs) Let me go try again with a different piece of equipment. Maybe that will work. So for me, that's how I live my life. And that's how I teach people to attempt to live theirs. Because if we're so caught up in things that we can't control, we get overwhelmed. And then that's how we get to a point where we give up Every I'm learning now that everything in life is not controllable.
1: Yeah. Thank you for that. I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, Tiffany, how, how can our listeners connect with you online?
0: So on Facebook. And. Um, oh, well, they all different now. So on Facebook, I'm custom creations. With with two K's and a Z,
1: yep.
0: And on Instagram, I'm Custom seven two seven. On TikTok, I am K K W Subs with a Z S U B Z, and YouTube Custom Creations.
1: Good. I'll make sure that all those go uh, onto our um, onto this uh, show uh, the show notes for this episode. And your uh, do you have a, a website as well?
0: My website is kkwsubs.com.
1: Excellent. Uh, Tiffany Harris, I really do appreciate the time that you've uh, spent with us, uh, with me, and for the stories uh, that that you have shared. uh, I'm I'm certain that uh, listeners will uh, gather some inspiration of their own so they can make some similar steps in the same direction. So thank you for being with us today, Tiffany.
0: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
1: To our listeners, uh, thanks for joining us. I do, We do appreciate your time and your support. And you can support us by just clicking one simple button right there where it says subscribe or the other one that says like. We'd love to have that support. It helps us grow and, and reach more with these uh, great stories. Our archives available are at moneyfit.org slash podcast. And until the next time, Please stay money fit and stay well.